The Essence of Tea, episode 48. Welcome. You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for the Essence of Tea podcast. I have a special guest here. His name is Brent Sass, for those of you who are fans of dog mushing. And um, he is a champion dog musher three times for the Yukon Quest, which we've talked about, the Yukon Quest dog sled race, and so close many times for the Iditarod. And he's kind of one of the intense mushers who does both of the races almost every year. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. So, yeah, and the the reason why I wanted Brent to be on this episode, it is related to tea because years ago, I think 13, 14 years ago, when I decided to make this specialty blend as a donation, a one-time donation, there was this very interesting dog musher who would keep coming in after the race was over. And I literally had to make up the batch every time because I didn't want to tell him <laughs> that, we, that we didn't actually make it and so he kept coming in and then pretty soon like people he knew or dog handlers that he had um people who help him out with the dogs would come in and they're like yeah i kind of work for this like amazing dog musher and he told <laughs> me about your tea and i was like oh no like they're gonna forget about it by next year <laughs> and then they didn't so like what was your, I guess, first exposure impressions about this tea? I mean, we just donated it for the race. Right, yeah, you guys donated it to the, to the Iditarod, or for, to the Yukon Quest was the first time there. And I just remember picking it up in the checkpoint. You know, they, we have all the hospitality stops, and they put it out there at all those places and just tried it and, you know, was down the trail and had all kinds of energy and was like, hey, this works as a great energy pickup for, for me out on the trail. It's hot, warm, good liquid stuff to have out on the trail. So... I just started using it, and after the race, I was like, I got to get my hands on more of that, and that's when I started coming in and getting more of the tea, and I've been drinking it ever since. I've been drinking it for the last, you know, almost, I think it's like 15 years, Yeah, years. it's a long time yeah. to be drinking yeah, it's it. awesome. I didn't even know if you kept drinking it. Like yeah, you're, no, you're I've, been, I've been continuing, and, and now, like I was telling you, I have sponsors and friends and stuff that know that I drink it, so they go in and order it and pick it up for me, so I've been, as now that I live way out of town, I don't go in as much myself, but still drinking it, and uh, you guys are still providing it out in the, I both Iditarod and Yukon Quest. You had some we had, Iditarod we had a, bags, too last year yeah it was a different blend actually okay. that we made for the iditarod it was the iditarod trail tea we okay, called it cool. and you know we thought why not make a donation yeah. I, it's hard times right now with covid and everything yep. going on so like well how can we help out like we're a tiny business but we can make tea and we can donate yeah, totally. it so totally. so i'm glad you noticed that because i was wondering how many people I yeah no i noticed it, it and used it so <laughs> I, I tell you the truth i barely even noticed i think at one point i did realize that it said a different had a different label on it but every time i see sipping streams i just always think thousand mile tea so cool yep. so but you've been racing for a long time so tell me a little bit about your history how did you get into mushing you're not from alaska originally no nope, no nope. i'm originally from minnesota and I, I came to alaska i mean a dream basically when i was a little kid my my, my mom and dad and my grandma went on a tour a, a, a cruise okay and i came back and I had all these pictures and when i was five i was like i want to do that when i grow up i'm going to move to alaska and live in a cabin and 
<laughs> I made that happen. I, I went to UAF as a skier, and, and just one day I was out on a trail. I'd been in Fairbanks for a couple of years, and I, I saw a dog team go by at my feet, and a light bulb just went off in my head, and I was like, I want to do that. And, uh, yeah, so I literally kind of followed that guy. He was just an eccentric guy living in the Goldstream Valley, had a recreational dog team, and I, I told him I wanted to be a musher, and he was like, come back in a week. And I came back, and he handed me a puppy, and he oh, said, no. now here's your first sled dog. Oh, no. And, uh, and I was like, all right, yeah, and I grabbed it, and, and uh, that dog I named Silver after Silver Gulch Brewery here in Fairbanks, and, uh, and uh, he turned out to be, like, my most amazing dog soul, soulmate, and he is the genetics, basically, all the dogs are connected to him even still now. He, he passed away two years ago at the age of 18. Yeah, I remember that. So, that was really sad. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got started, and then I got a chance to work with Susan Butcher and David Munson in those early years as well, and that kind of got me into the race scene, and I, I started volunteering for the Yukon Quest early on in 2003 and four and five with some good friends of mine, and I just, you know, I had a small recreational team at that time, and and just really decided that I wanted to run the Yukon Quest. And, and so in 2007, I ran my first uh, race, the, the Yukon Quest 300. Oh, wow. And uh, that was the very first one. And we actually ended up winning because of silver. It was one yeah. of the m most treacherous storms on the Yukon Quest uh, in the history up on Eagle Summit. And um, we ended up persevering through the storm. And we were just nobodies. You know, we had never raced before. But we were really good in bad weather and harsh conditions and you know, even back then, you know, we had a really good attitude towards it all, and that's kind of what oh, the whole yeah. thing is about. So yeah, like your mindset, and like yeah, how, yeah. how you can push through that. Yep. So we did really well, and and uh, and that kind of set the set the stage for the rest of my career. And you know, it was a long time before we win, won any more races. You know, it was kind of a fluke that we won that, but it kind of gave me that motivation that, you know, attitude really is everything. And if you just keep a positive attitude, you can win a race as a total rookie. So I figure I got some races to win, but it'll take a while for me to get to that point. You know, and so we stuck kept at it and won our first quest in 2015 and then um and then uh won our second in 19 and the third in 20 so for 2015 i knew you're like yeah i think was that the one where you were ending in fairbanks yes yep. so i actually had for you a burger <laughs> i <laughs> bought a burger for you and then i was like you know what i bet he's gonna eat a steak so i actually <laughs> ate your burger that's awesome <laughs> And then I was like watching all the people just like get on you and like <laughs> take pictures, and I was like, fun. "He doesn't need my burger." So burger. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good, good thought. Anyways, good thought. Anyways. I was like, "I'm yeah. sure he's gonna have a steak or something." I'm sure. Like, and and don't you like normally treat the dogs yep. like the dogs at the get end steak and, at the finish line? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, I was just like, sure. oh, "I'm sure he'll be fine." I'll yeah. eat his burger for well, him. It's cold well, anyway. Thanks for being there. Yeah, there was a lot of people there at that finish. It was pretty fun. It was a pretty fun finish. Yeah. All of them been, but that one was really awesome. Yeah, and then so you started mushing in 2007. That's funny because I started my tea company in 2007. Right, cool. So it was like quickly, like a couple years after that is when I Did made the, the yep, thousand mile yep, tea. Yep. And it was only because I actually used to have a radio show on the classic rock station. All right. Called yep. Tea on Tuesdays, and I had truck drivers and construction workers listen to me. And so one of the DJs was like, you should make a tea for the dog mushers. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's and great, I was like, huh? okay. And they're like, just, just walk down to the quest office and ask them. I bet they'd, they'd want that. I'm like, okay. And, yeah. and they kept repeating the same thing. I'm like, what, what kind of tea you want to drink? They're like, I don't know. High in caffeine, really strong, lots of energy. And I'm like, 
and that's I don't know. And then they just kept saying that. I'm like, okay, these people don't know how to steep tea. Let's make it foolproof. Yep. Yeah, totally. And so you just exactly. throw it in and go. That is <laughs> that is probably one of probably the best one of the reasons it has such success because it is easy. Everything needs to be easy for us out on the trail, you know. And if it's yeah. if it anything is if it anything's gonna take long or it's gonna have any sort of complications more than just dumping it in a bunch of hot water, then it's probably not going to get used. But because it is, just literally put it in and forget about it. That's 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 how it works, I think. Yeah, so as a former athlete, well, no, you're still an athlete. Yep. But, like, you were on the ski team, right, at yep. UAF? Yep. And then, then you went into dog mushing. Like, do you – I've heard stories about all different mushers, like Matt Hall and stuff, who likes the 1,000-mile tea, too. Like, their diet. And yep. it's, like – whatever they can eat yeah. so like what's your diet like or how do you prepare i know like ali zirkle she had a very strict yep. diet too yep. so what's yours like? i mean i eat anything one i don't really have i don't i don't i mean i try to eat you know good food i eat a lot of moose meat a lot of potatoes oh gosh, in the winter time that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much my you know caribou as much game meat as i possibly can in the winter i also have really amazing sponsors and friends that make me a lot of pre-made this mm-hmm. this year, the Petty family in Fairbanks they like they made like boatloads of food for me that all I have to do is drop it in like hot water. Oh my gosh! That's or amazing. put it in the oven in a little tin. And so I ate their food most of this of this winter. And then Mike and Sue Ellis, my good friends, other mushers, yeah. they do all of my race meals, all of the oh, food for okay. my trail. They make homemade soups, homemade you know uh, like a. Uh, um, like French toast roast. and like bacon meals okay. and like, I mean every kind of different sort of scenario you can think of, just from turkey dinners to soups to to stuff like the the French toast breakfasts, and that's the stuff I exist on on the trail and that's huge. Like mm-hmm. it's all homegrown stuff. They're using their like their homegrown chickens and usually using my moose meat for all of the all of the other uh, stews and stuff and that stuff is what keeps me going on the trail and. I eat better on the trail than I do probably throughout the season, really, in the end. Just more well-balanced meals, you know, like when you have chicken chicken stew or chicken uh, dinner one night and turkey dinner the next night and moose stew the next day and, you know, different pea soup and different stuff like that. It's just, and it's all, you know, home-cooked. Yeah, I was... It's hard to beat that. I was watching your Instagram and I was like, 26 dogs. Oh my gosh. It's like he's moving out 26 children. Like he's like a father of 26, like single dad. And I'm like, how does he eat? Like that's what I was thinking. Because we were talking about before you came here. I was like, man, we should have bought him a pizza. Yeah, yeah. Like I bet he's hungry. And then we're like, oh, we don't have enough time. Yeah, totally. But, um... But that's so good that you're able to have people provide you, like, a meal because yeah. you're literally taking care of, like, little persons. Yeah. Like, high-energy yeah. people. And then you need to have high energy, too, totally. and take care of yourself. I mean, like, for me in college, I drank, like, a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew, like, almost <laughs> every day. Yeah. And that's how I started drinking tea was I was like, this doesn't do anything it, for me anymore. Yeah. And, like, I mean... Uh, that's pretty funny to say that because a lot of that was, I mean, I drank a lot of Mountain Dew back in my days too, back in my day too. And, and the tea was a great alternative to, to the Mountain Dew as far as getting the energy or the caffeine. And so that was one of the reasons that I think I attached really well to the thousand miles that I just, I didn't need to get away from the, the Mountain Dew. So I, so I oh started gosh, drinking the tea yeah. a lot more. Every and, now and then I kind of miss the Dew. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, it's my treat when I come to town. I don't buy any of that stuff and bring it out to the homestead. So on a daily basis, I don't have that, but I, I treat myself to a Mountain Dew every now and then. But yeah, but uh, yeah, no, the, the the tea definitely 
was uh, the good substitute to the Mountain Dew for sure. Well, that's cool. So how, okay, so as a dog musher, I don't know what it's like. I mean, we actually had a dog mushing team, like, on the property next to us. So there was, like, over 18 dogs for a while. And they had all their huts and everything, and I was thinking, like, because we're really close to the river. So they could just go over there and, yeah. yeah. But, um, so what is it like? What do you struggle with, especially, like, now in the days of COVID, like, you know, dog handler situations, things like that? What, what is it that, you know, you would like people to know how they could help you, sponsorship, what does that mean? What about the dogs? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. I mean, I live, eat, breathe, and sleep sled dogs. It's all I think about. All my money goes to the sled dogs or to the operation and, and getting us to these races and getting us to be able to train all that we do. And so, I mean, I have a lot of support. It's not a, I mean, I'm, a, I'm kind of a one-man operation a lot, like on the ground a lot of times. I usually have one or two handlers every season that come and help uh, take care of the dogs. And this year, I own 57 dogs total, but this year... Uh, a bunch of dogs are out running with other people, with okay. some people that train my puppies and people that train the yearlings, and so I was able to sort of um, disperse them out a little bit, so because I could fo- so I could focus on my main race team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have tons of support and people sponsoring dogs every year. So if you want to sponsor a dog, you can go to the website and sponsor an individual dog, and then you can follow that dogs. Uh, Wildandfreealaska.com okay. is, is the website. This year, all, I'm very fortunate that all, this year all of my dogs are sponsored every year. Pretty much now we sponsor all the dogs in the first like two weeks of the of the sponsorship program, which is awesome. But there's a lot of other opportunities on there. You can sponsor a checkpoint for the races, or or sponsor booties. The dogs wear booties, and we we are constantly wearing through booties. So booties are a good way to sponsor the the dog team as well. Um, but yeah, I mean on a, on a daily basis, my biggest struggle now is from where I live. I live 150 miles out of Fairbanks, and you're. <laughs> at a remote homestead. And so it's not city life by any means. And it's a kind of a stretch from most, where most mushers are living these days, a little bit farther out than most. And so finding people that want to live that life and want to totally devote it to that is, is been a little bit of a difficulty through COVID with traveling and things mm-hmm. like that with all the travel restrictions. A lot of my help has come from overseas. Uh, Norway, the Scandinavians um, have been a, a big portion of my handlers over the years. And so they've been harder to get over here and I luckily was able to have one past handler come for a month and a half here and she totally saved my butt and was able to help me train the dogs and she knew the routine around the homestead already so that really helps give you a foot ahead so I think in general I mean um, you know it, like I said I just devote everything to it and so it's a life that I thoroughly enjoy I'm very passionate about it and you know I sleep four hours a day and the rest of the time I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight, you know, trying to keep everything, all the dogs trained up and, and, uh, and just keep alive out there. And in, in Eureka, we've had a really, like everywhere, we've had a really harsh winter with lots of snow and then that ice stuff. Oh and my goodness. Yeah, all the crazy. variables. And so I put all my trails in and keep all my trails in. So it's, it definitely has been, been a big job this season, just keeping trails in so I could train the dogs all year. And so, um, but you know, as my, as my, one of my heroes, Lance Mackey always said the, the easier, the harder it is to get to the race, the easier the races are, you know, oh, because if yeah. you're fighting all season long, the race is almost like a vacation. You know, we, we've had one race this year, the Copper Basin 300 and 
I uh, luckily with help from friends and 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 my handler Gunhild who was here for a while, I was able to get to that race and everything. How'd was you taken do with that of. one? We won the race, yeah. which was awesome. <laughs> um, and you know, it was it did the race felt like a vacation. You know, I got out there and I had twelve dogs ahead of me, and all I had to do was focus on those twelve dogs. I didn't have generators breaking down and heaters breaking down, and you know, thirty other dogs to feed at the same time. And so it was really like a um, a, a little mini vacation. So I'm looking forward to the the quest start here this Saturday. Um, yep, this week. And uh, yeah, pretty excited about getting back out on the race trail. And, and then I've got the 300 in Canada. I'm going to go over and race in that one. Okay. Um, the next following week, and then the Iditarod is the. the Did you ask that. Canada? For yep. RT, because I because we got a special request through my Instagram. That's funny. That said, are you providing tea to the Canada side? I'm like, I <laughs> oh, wasn't, but great. I will. I was that's like, awesome. and she said, no, well, there's some anything, people who are awesome. asking specifically sh- for it, so we made sure we dropped it off last week. That's great. That's great. Office. I'm sure there are people that, that are used to it every year and want it, want it, want it. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I was just like. Wait a second. Who exactly said that they wanted it? Yep. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's some fans over there too. Yep. Yeah, and so um, that'll be interesting, but at least they're allowing people. Yeah, they're allowing us in. As of right now, you know, there's all kinds of restrictions that are constantly changing. But as of right now, they're um, as long as you're vaccinated, you're, they'll let you into it and in, let you into Canada. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go give it a shot, and it'll just be fun, you know. I mean, without the quest last year, it's been a, a bummer not being able to go in. I don't do a lot of social things, and so the quest every year is kind of like my big, not only my big event and race, but it's also a social event for me. You know, go over to Canada, and you meet all your friends that you haven't seen in a whole year, and <laughs> you do the whole stuff over there. And so it's been really, I mean, I missed it last year, and so I think it'll be fun getting over there and, and getting to see everybody and, and just participate in the Yukon Quest and trying to keep the momentum with the quest going too so hopefully we can go back to having the full thousand mile one oh yeah next year yeah because i i know with the race being weird and also for our company we're really short staffed so we were yeah. wanting to volunteer again at a checkpoint um that was a very interesting experience yeah i'm sure <laughs> putting a whole <laughs> checkpoint together with like what no one's here and then just figuring it out with snow machines breaking because brian was trying to pull a pallet to like groom down the yeah. snow i was pulling what bales checkpoint was it? it was um two rivers yeah. yeah, two rivers awesome. in, well, thank you for in your um, 2020. <laughs> yeah, because we just got married. And then we're like, let's do a checkpoint. And I was supposed to be the chef. And so I show <laughs> up and there's nothing there. There's nothing to cook with. There's a wood stove. And I'm like, oh, no. Work. And and then they're like, can you put the whole checkpoint together? I'm like, okay, here's a binder. Follow right? the directions. I'm like, oh, at least man. they have a binder. That's <laughs> like, funny. Well, so, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it turned out I was actually supposed to show up at 12 a.m., not p.m. So I showed up at 11 a.m. thinking she meant 12 p.m. And the race had just started. I'm like, it's one of the first checkpoints. Okay, what do you mean this place isn't put together? So we did it. It was a blast. Now I know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, the race is run on volunteers like you guys. So it's really, it's, uh, it's awesome to see that people getting excited and fired up about it. It's the only way you can really pull a race off like this is to have the volunteers. Yeah, to, the heart to, of to the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah, so anyways, um, thank you so much, Brent. Yep. And um, people can follow you where? Where on social media? Uh, so I'm at Wild and Free Mushing on, on Facebook and uh, Be Wild Free on Instagram. And uh, that's I post daily and it's basically dogs. You know, I put a little bit of the stuff that we're doing day to day on there, but mainly it's just pictures of dogs. So definitely check that out. 
Um, WildandFreeAlaska.com is the website, and uh, definitely follow the races this year. Yukon Quest, uh, it's turned into a 350 now that we're having here this, oh, uh, it's this Saturday. Okay. Okay. They've had trail condition problems, <laughs> and they've changed okay. a lot of stuff around. So so definitely stay tuned. It's going to be an exciting race. Uh, kudos to the Yukon Quest for putting putting this one on, and uh, we'll all be drinking 1,000-mile tea. So Yeah, yeah, and we even got you an extra stash. Or, all right, or, awesome, it, I awesome. Mean, I know Sue really likes it, Sue Ellis, yeah, but yeah, this I'll, one's your stash. Awesome, and well, thank you very much. If you feel but anyways yeah thank you so much and yep. everyone check him out on all of his social media his website and i mean these are just real human beings braving the colds the crazy conditions with their best friends and living the dream really that's right. living that's the dream exactly it. that's so, exactly it very fortunate yeah and we'll see you all later thank you and just one more thing We have an absolutely free private Facebook group for people just like you who are interested in learning more about tea. It's called the Sipping Streams Tea Tribe and we go live every week. So go to Facebook and look for the Sipping Streams Tea Tribe and join today.